Hello. We are so glad that you could join us today. Our prayer is that as you listen to the word, you would take this time to draw nearer to God as an individual and as a family. God loves you so so much, and his desire is for you to get closer to him in this season through worship, through dwelling in his word and prayer. Well, greetings, Celebration Church family. I want to welcome you to our online service. Uh, thank you for joining us this Sunday morning. I count it an honor and privilege whenever I get the opportunity to uh, stand in the stead of our senior pastor and bring the word of God to you. Uh, today, I want to just thank Pastor Tom and Pastor Bonnie for this opportunity uh, to be able to bring the word of God. You know, uh, Pastor Tom has been taking us through a series called Overcoming. And it's been such a powerful and such a relevant series for where we are in this season of our lives. Pastor Milton spoke last week uh, on overcoming doubt. What a powerful message. And today I want to continue uh, with this overcoming series. And today I'm talking about overcoming the urge to quit. Overcoming the urge to quit. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to go with me to the book of 2 Kings, chapter number 13. And we're going to begin to read from verse 14 through to verse 21. I love the Old Testament. And so I always like to find a story in the Old Testament. The Bible says this, Elisha had become sick with the illness of which he would die. Then Joash, the king of Israel, came down to him and wept over his face. And he said, oh, my father, my father the chariots of Israel and their horsemen. And Elisha said to him, take a bow and some arrows. So he took himself a bow and some arrows. Then he said to the king of Israel, put your hand on the bow. So he put his hands on it. And listen to this next part. He says, and Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. Powerful. And he said, open the east window. And he said, he opened it. And Elisha said, shoot. And he shot. And he said, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of the deliverance from Syria, for you must strike the Syrians at Aphek till you have destroyed them. Then he said to him, take the arrows. So he took the arrows and he said to the king, strike the ground. So he struck the ground three times and he stopped. And the man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck Syria till you had destroyed it. But now you will strike Syria only three times. And Elisha died and was buried. And the raiding bands from the Moab invaded the land in the spring of the year. So it was as they were burying a man that suddenly they spied a band of raiders. And they put the man in the tomb of Elisha. And when the man was let down and touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and he stood upon his feet. Powerful story. Now I wanted to just quickly go to 2 Timothy uh, chapter number 4, and I'm going to read verse 6 and 7, uh, past, uh, verses that we know very familiar. Uh, Paul is speaking to Timothy, the older man speaking to the younger man, and he says this, For I am being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Today I want to speak to you under the overcoming series, under overcoming the urge to quit. And the title of my message this morning is strike again. I want you to know that God is saying to us in this season, strike again. See the COVID-19 pandemic has wreaked havoc in the lives of people across the globe. Not only has it seen people being infected by this savage virus, but we have also seen people being affected by the virus. 
We've seen family members being uh, family members battling and friends battling for their lives after contracting this virus. Something we sometimes take for granted. The simple act of breathing unhindered has become precious and valuable in this particular season. People are on ventilators and, and looking for oxygen just to stay alive. And even after all this, then having to watch some of these family members and friends slip away from this life into the afterlife. See, there's the trauma that comes with the unexpected loss of a loved one. People have had to see loved ones go from their very eyes unexpectedly because they were ravaged by this virus. Depression from the lack of closure. Some people have, have literally seen their relatives, somebody, were, maybe you were outside the country and your parents were, you know, got, got COVID and you didn't even have the opportunity to come in and get the closure that you desired for your, for your mother or for your father. And then there's this depression that has come upon people because they lack closure from the death of a loved one. Anxiety and mental health issues have become rampant. People are failing to cope with the devastation and the fear that comes with this virus. People are consumed with unbudgeted expenditure. People have to, have to go through uh, paying very hefty hospital bills and medical bills out of desperation to keep their loved ones alive. Having to dip into savings, money that they had put aside for houses, money they had put aside for children's tuition. They have to dig into this money just because they have to keep their loved ones alive. There's been a loss of jobs and income. People have lost their jobs. We forget that in this season. So many people have been let go because they, they couldn't continue giving them the jobs that they desired because the income had gone down. It's been terrible. Closure of businesses. Some people have gone to a place where they've had to close their businesses. Businesses that they had spent years building. Businesses that they had trusted God for. Businesses that they had seen God take them from one place. And suddenly they've had to come to a place where they've had to close these businesses. There's a social arrest in nations. You just have to look around. We see what's happening in Afghanistan right now. There is such a social arrest everywhere. Everywhere there's an anxiety when we look upon this, upon this earth. Marriages are on the rocks. Instead of being on the rock, they are on the rocks. Marriages are on the edge. People are, are, are getting divorced. People are giving up on their marriages. People are stopping in, in their pursuit of loving each other and believing God that their marriages are precious. They're beginning to quit. Death and suicide. We're hearing so many cases of people who are having suicidal tendencies, suicidal thoughts, and some are acting upon these suicidal thoughts. There's a lack of face-to-face -face contact among people because of the separation, because of the social distancing. People have lacked that, that desire to communicate and connect with people, which is something that God always created us to do, is to be in touch with people. Our children, too, have been affected, lest we forget. The stress of having to adapt to homeschooling with parents who still need to go to work and put food on the table. Our kids are struggling. They had planned to go to college and, and the parents have had to come back to them and tell them, I can no longer send you to that college because our income has depleted. I can no longer send you abroad. The devastation that comes to a child as they see their hopes and dreams disappear. Now even more we see division even in the body of Christ. Different opinions. People have different opinions and we see the body of Christ wrestling and fighting over things. Instead of us coming together in a season like this where we need to be unified as the body of Christ. These are just a few of the many examples of how COVID-19 has affected the lives of people. 
See, if there's one thing that this season of this global pandemic has brought is a sense of hopelessness. You see, human beings love to have things under control. We thrive when things are under control. But COVID has come and completely disrupted our routines. People have become weary and even despondent. See, and the tendency in such a season is to quit. It's to quit on life, to give up on the dreams that we once so had, to give up on our aspirations. Some have even taken it a little bit further to where we are now even questioning the very existence of God. Many have given up on their faith. But church, I came today to decree something over us this morning. We cannot allow COVID-19 to, to defeat us. We have to get up and fight. We cannot throw in the towel. We cannot give up on the promises of God for our lives. We cannot stop believing that God is able to deliver us. We cannot stop believing that one day we will declare this famous, these famous words. And when it came to pass. You see, the Bible tells us many are the afflictions of the righteous, but God delivers them from them all. Can we declare some scriptures this morning, church? The enemy may rise up against us like a flood, but the spirit of the Lord will always raise a standard against them. Lord, when our hearts are overwhelmed, lead us to the rock that is higher than us. Lord, though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we shall fear no evil. For thou art with us, the rod and thy staff, they comfort us. Weeping may endure for a night. But joy will certainly always come in the morning. I was young and now I'm old. But I've never seen the righteous forsaken and never seen their children begging for bread. We shall live and not die. I declare that over you this morning. You shall live and not die. We shall declare the goodness of the Lord. For the Lord has tasted us severely, but he has not given us over to death. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. For we are confident in this right here, that he who began the good work in us is able to bring it to completion. I would have lost heart had I not believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. For I know that in all things, not some things, but in all things, God works them together for the good for those who love him and who are called in accordance to his purpose. I will lift up my eyes upon the hills from whence forth my help comes from. My help cometh from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Christ in us, church. Christ in us, the hope of glory. In him we live, in him we move, in him we have our being. And finally, I want to declare Psalms 91. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in him I will trust. Surely he will deliver us from the snare of the fowler and the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and butler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night nor of the arrow that flies by day nor of the pestilence that works in darkness nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday a thousand may fall on your side and ten thousand at your right hand but it shall not come near you only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked because you have made the Lord who is my refuge even the most high your dwelling place no evil shall befall you nor shall any plague come near your dwelling for he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways in their 
hands, they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot upon a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent. You shall trample underfoot, because he has set his love upon he, upon me. Therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high, because he has known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him with long life. I declare that with long life. I say it again. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Come on, church. Can we begin to declare the word of God in this season? Let us hold fast to the profession of our faith without wavering. For he who promised, even in a season like this, is faithful. I know some of us are hurting. I know we've lost much, but hold on. Hold on, when the urge to quit begins to linger in your mind, let the infallible word of God well up in your belly until it begins to pour out out of your mouth. And so with this in mind, let us take a closer look at our anchoring scripture that we find in the book of 2 Kings chapter number 13. See, as we carefully approach this passage of scripture, we are introduced to two main characters found in this passage. The first man goes by the name Joash. Joash, the son of Azariah is the grandson of Jehu. Jehu, who is the son of Jehoaz, whom the Bible describes as a man who did wickedly and evil in the sight of the Lord. He followed after the sins of Jeroboam, the king of Israel. He continued to offer sacrifices to idols. As a result, the Lord would continue to give them over to their old age enemy, the Syrians, because they did not do what was right in the eyes of the Lord. And so as we begin to read this passage, we learn that this man, Joash, is now the king of Israel. Unfortunately, he too has not given up the ways and the practices of his predecessors. He is steeped in the worship of idols. As a result, the Syrians continue to wipe out the Israelite army. And the Bible tells us that at this particular point, as we are reading this passage, only 50 horsemen and their chariots are left. The rest have been utterly destroyed. And so, and so Israel is on its knees. It is practically grappling for its life. And so it is with this background in mind that the king of Israel decides to pay a visit to the sage that is Elisha. See, now allow me to take a moment to introduce you to the second character in this passage, the prophet of the day, Elisha. Elisha is a peculiar man. He's a radical man. He's far from being ordinary. This is a man who spent years as an apprentice to the great prophet, Elijah. Elisha was a man of great wealth. He's a man who is found driving his fattened cow and fattened oxen in the vast field, signifying his great wealth. This is a man who on the day which Elijah would be taken, upon, taken up in heaven with a chariot of fire and a whirlwind, he was present there. The Bible tells us that Elisha followed Elijah to Gilgal. After Gilgal, he then he was told by Elijah, do not follow me. But he continued to pursue his mentor. He continued to pursue Elijah. He got to Bethel and again, then gets, he follows him even then to Jericho. And eventually they end up in Jordan. It is here in Jordan where Elijah would say to the young prophet, if you see me when I'm taken up to heaven, then you shall receive a double portion of my anointing. And the mantle that is upon me shall rest upon you. Elisha would see his father taken up before his very eyes and he would cry out a statement, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. 
See, it's in that very instant that the mantle of Elijah would fall upon him and the double portion of his spirit would rest upon this young man. The miracles and the accounts of Elisha can be found in the book of Kings. And so King Joash, the king of Israel, in a race, in a, in a, in a rare act of humility and really desperation, approaches the great prophet Elisha in his hour of greatest need. He does so just in time because the Bible records that the old sage Elisha is having his own personal battle with his sickness. Elisha's hour has come and he's slowly fading away from life into the afterlife. Joash knows he must speak to Elisha before the great prophet before the great prophet departs from this life. And so we pick up the story in verse 14 and it says, Joash came weeping over the face of Elijah and he cried out my father my father the chariots of Israel and the horsemen now notice this is the exact same statement that Elisha said to Elijah when he was taken up to heaven and so the question is what does this statement mean well we know that horses and chariots in the Bible have always signified strength and power horses and chariots are a symbol of war and can represent warfare in our lives you see, in those days, kings took great comfort in knowing that they would have horsemen and chariots. They believed that these would aid them in their victories against the enemies. The more horsemen and chariots you had, the greater chance of victory you would have over your enemies. Unfortunately, the horsemen and chariots of Israel at this point in time have depleted drastically and are no longer matched to the Syrians. Joash knows this, and therefore he cries this statement to Elisha, my father, my father, the horsemen and the chariots of Israel. In saying this, he is acknowledging that the hand of man has failed, and now they must rely on the hand of God. See, the king, in essence, is acknowledging that true power does not come from idols, does not come from foreign gods, that the true power comes from Jehovah God, the God of Elisha. He's saying that your God is the true and living God and Israel's hope is now in your hands. See, I pray that this too would be true in our days, that the kings of our days would run into the house of God and surrender themselves before the power and the authority of Jehovah, that we would put away all forms of idol worship and confess with our mouths that indeed Jesus Christ is Lord See, this is why David says this. He makes this statement. He says, some trust in horses, some trust in chariots, but we will trust in the name of the Lord. See, he's making this clear that the horsemen and the chariots of this world cannot be compared to the horsemen and the chariots of the kingdom of God. See, another example of this is the story of Elisha and his men. The Bible tells us that he woke up one day and he was surrounded by chariots and horsemen belonging to the enemies. It says that the men that were with Elisha were afraid and they feared for their lives because they were clearly outnumbered. Yet the Bible records that Elisha prayed. He made a prayer. And he said, I pray that their eyes would be open. And he says their eyes were open and they saw the horsemen and the chariots of fire surrounding them that were upon the mountain. And they were more than those that were against them. See, Elisha and his men would see that indeed their God is the great God. Church, the horsemen and the chariots of Jehovah are still alive and they are well today. I want you to know that God is still fighting the battle of his people. The hand of man will never defeat. 
the hand of God. And so the story continues and tells us that Elisha in his weak and frail state instructs Joash to perform this very prophetic act. He says to Elisha, he says to him, take a bow and some arrows. And so he took some bow and arrows. And then he says, he told the king, put your hand on the bow. And so he put his hand on it. And then it says, listen to this, Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. That's powerful. And he said, open the east window. And he opened it and he says, Elijah said, shoot. And he shot and he said, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of the deliverance from Syria. For you must strike the Syrians at Aphex till you have destroyed them. See, this scripture shows us that Elisha puts his hands on the king's hands. See, even in his weak and frail state, he conjured enough strength and energy to put his hands on the king's hands. See, this act is so prophetic. It was a reminder to the king that you do not win battles because of your own strength or your own hand, but because of the hand of the Lord. It was a reminder that the battle is not yours, but the Lord's. See, I heard someone say it this way. Elisha was placing his hands upon the king, was basically saying God's guidance is waiting for your participation. You see, Elisha's hands on the king's hand symbolize God's hand upon his people. In this season, we're living in the church. The kingdom of God may appear to be weak and frail. It may look like we are being defeated by the kingdoms of this world. But I'm here to declare that even when it looks like in the natural, the kingdom of God is losing. It still has the power and authority to bring down the kingdoms of this world. The Bible tells us that the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ. And he shall reign forever and ever. See, in this season... Especially, we cannot overcome the hand of man without having the hand of God upon our lives. Like David would cry out, he would say, Lord, you can take away everything from me, but please do not take your presence away from me. Like Moses would cry out, he would say, God, I will not go unless your presence goes with me. Church, it may look like the house of Saul is growing stronger and stronger in this season. But I'm here to declare that even when darkness looks like it's getting darker and darker, that the house of David is becoming stronger and stronger and the light of God is becoming brighter and brighter. We read a story, a passage in Daniel chapter number two, where it says that the stone that was cut out of the mountain without human hands struck the image at its feet and iron and clay and it broke them in pieces. See, this prophetic word that we find in the book of Daniel shows us how the kingdom of God represented by that stone that was carved out of the mountain with no human hands would totally destroy every other man-made kingdom and its gods. Church, God's hand is upon us. Let us not be intimidated by the enemy's tactics in this season. Let us not be intimidated by the enemy's roar in this season. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. See, Elisha shows Joash through the east window the victory that was before him. In the same way, God is giving you and I a glimpse into what is to come. The victory is certain, ladies and gentlemen. If you would just see with the eyes of the Spirit, there is a victory that is ahead of us. It may not look like it. It may not feel like it. But if you hold on, if you don't quit, there is victory at the other side of your trouble. There are places that God wants to take you and I. In this season, we must hold on and believe. 
And so the story continues and tells us that Elisha instructs him to take the arrows and he says he took them and he said to the king, strike the ground. So he struck the ground three times, listen to this, and he stopped. And the man of God was angry with him and he said, you should have struck the ground five or six times. Then you would have completely destroyed the Syrians. But now you will only strike Syria three times. You see, church, I believe that God is asking you and I the same question today. Why did you stop? Why did you stop believing? Why did you stop believing that God can do all things? Why did you stop believing that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask, think, or imagine? Why did you stop praying? You used to pray. You used to wake up in the midnight hour and pray and seek the face of God. But church, why have you stopped? Why have you stopped trying? What is it that you were trying? Maybe it was a business. Maybe it was to get pregnant. Why have you stopped trying? Why have you stopped trying? Why have you stopped pursuing? Maybe it's your relationship. Maybe it's your marriage. It's now struggling because you stopped pursuing your wife. You stopped pursuing love. The things you used to do, you used to kiss her every morning, but you've stopped. The question that God is asking you and I this morning is why did you stop? Today, I want us to take four quick, a quick look and I'm going to get ready to close. Four possible reasons why Joash may have stopped striking only after three and why you and I may also fall into the same reason of stopping at only three number one perhaps Joash was tired and had lost drive maybe he was tired and he had lost drive perhaps with all that he had gone through all the battles that he had faced and what was currently happening in the land of Israel the, maybe the weight of the bow that he was holding was just too much for him and he felt he could not strike anymore. This may be you and I today. Maybe the weight of what you were going through and what you were carrying in this season is just too much for you. You are saying, God, I cannot carry this. This is too much for me to bear. I'm going through too much. And you're saying, I can't do this anymore. I just want to give up. See, I can relate to this. I can relate to this so much. This past season has been probably my hardest season yet. Some of you have heard me share my story and I'll keep sharing it. I remember March or April 2020, something would start that I, I would find myself battling over over the past few months. I, I woke up and I had an anxiety attack, something I've never had before. And I remember it was something so peculiar to me, I didn't understand. Well, after that, there would be another series of these anxiety attacks until I got to a place where I needed to go and see a doctor. It was so bad. It was so distressing to me. And I couldn't, I couldn't keep my mind in one place. I couldn't overcome some of the things that I was having to do. And I was challenged every day. Started seeing this psychiatrist. It started off with one psychiatrist. It became two psychiatrists that I was now seeing just to try and help me deal with what I was going through. It was a difficult season for me. I remember so many times just saying, but God, what is this all about? I remember wanting to quit. I, wanted, I remember I wanted to give up. I said, I can't do this anymore. I can't have this being the same routine of my day. Every day I was waking up to the same old. Some days I wouldn't even sleep. I remember I would go for three, four days without sleeping. I would be so tired during the day and I would just be trying to cope. But this thing was, was heavy on me. It was weighing down on me. It was causing me to become tired. 
See, I remember. I remember there was a this season. As this season continued to happen, something then also happens to my wife, which just adds on to the pressure. It was just one day we'd come back from South Africa, and she comes back and she says, you know what, sweetie? I'm struggling with my feet. My feet have been just sore since we came back from South. So we just brush it away. We say, you know what? Maybe it's the traveling. Maybe, you know what? It was when you were standing, you stood for too long, and we just think it's nothing. Well, after a few days, after a week, so we say, you know what? The pain is still there. My wife says, sweetie, I think we need to go and see a doctor. So we go to the emergency room in the night, and we go and we see the doctor and the doctor looks at it and says you know what you need to go and get uh, a scan on your legs so he writes the prescription for us and we go to the doctor i mean to the scan place and we go and get a scan only to find that with my wife she had clots in her left leg i mean the, the moment he told us this our hearts just sank because we've known, we've, we've heard of some of the complications that can happen with blood clots that you can get, you know, uh, just sudden death. People have died because the clot moves up to your lungs and it blocks you from breathing and you die. And so now we are, we, we are pressed with these thoughts. I remember, I'll never forget it. We drove home, we, we were so overwhelmed. We said, God, how is this all happening in one season? And I remember it was just my wife and I with our kids. Our kids didn't even know what was happening. And there we are in our home and we're battling. We're battling for our health. We're battling and we're both battling. One cannot encourage the other because the other one is going through his own issues. And it's tough. I remember it was tough. Got so bad, I remember. I remember one day my brother and his wife came to our home and they looked at us and they looked at us and they said, no, 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 no. This is not good. They said, you need to come to our house immediately. And they said, I want you to pack your stuff. You are going with us to a house. Because they could sense the, 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 just the, the, in the air, there was death in the air. There was this, 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 this giving up. There was no longer faith in our atmosphere, in our home. Because we were both hard-pressed. They took us home and they began to work with us and pray with us and just spend time with us. And our spirits got, got lifted up. But we're still faced with this challenge. Eventually we got back home. I'll never, I'll never forget just how even the Roots ladies who just came through for us in a season where we needed, they started sending meals to us. They just heard that we were not feeling well and they started sending meals. They do not even realize how just in that season, just even the strength to cook was a challenge. It was so difficult. But I'm saying this because I, I, I can understand what may be happening with Joash. Maybe he was just tired. See, this sickness even began to affect my marriage. I remember even our marriage because we were no longer connecting. We were no longer talking as much as we could. We would get frustrated with each other. And I began to see that this thing was affecting even our marriage. See, today I don't know what it is that you were going through. I don't know what it is that you're facing. I remember I became so sick for so long that I got to a place where I just said, you know what, maybe this is my lot. Have you ever had something so long? Have you ever battled with something so long that you get to a place where you say, you know what, maybe that this is just it. I can, I can, I can, I can identify with the woman with the issue of blood. 12 years, non-stop bleeding, believing God. She had gone to all physicians and none of them had helped. But you see, she, she, she conjured enough strength to stretch out her hand and touch the hem of Jesus' garment. Today, you may be watching me from your sick bed. Maybe you are battling right now in your sick bed and you feel like giving up. I'm here to encourage you to fight. I'm here to tell you, shake off that sickness. Refuse to die in the name of Jesus. Maybe reason number two. Maybe he wasn't willing to see things through because he had lost his zeal. He wasn't willing to see things through. You see, when you lose your zeal, you begin to approach life half-heartedly. 
Remember how you used to love God and how you used to love to be in his presence. How you used to make sure that you would be in the house of God. But nowadays you cannot even be bothered. You've lost your zeal. You've lost that, that, that willingness to seek after God. How many things in your life have you stopped doing to the fullness that you're now just doing half-heartedly? Maybe it's your education. You started off on your education on the path of getting your degree and you stopped because you just said, this is too hard. This is too complicated and you quit. Maybe it's your health. Maybe you decided, you know what? I'm going to start jogging. I remember I started doing some exercise and I remember when I started, I said, what am I doing? This is ridiculous because it was difficult. But you see, there comes a point where motivation is not enough. You see, motivation can get you started, but it takes commitment to keep you going. A lot of people think that it's only about motivation. But I remember starting to do these exercises and motivation had gone. But the thing that kept me going was commitment. In this season, we must remain committed. Maybe it's your business. You started something. It got hard in this pandemic. And you're looking at your business and you're saying, you know what? I, I, I need to close this. I'm here to tell you, do not quit. See, there's a story that... I find very interesting the story of the Great Britain 400 meter runner, Derek Redmond. We've all heard this story, I believe, at some point. He, he, he inspires and it rings so loud in the memories of the hearts of people. In 1992, the Olympic Games, Redmond would so diligently, would work so diligently to prepare for his race with great expectation of winning a medal. He would start, he would start off as the gun went off and he would start running. But as he got to this 250 meter mark in the race, it says that he pulled the hamstring, it snapped, making it possible for him to continue running this race. The pictures are shown on, on the screens as Redman is in agony, as he's crying out because he can no longer continue the race that he started as he falls to the ground. But Redmond would get up on his feet. Clearly in pain, he would begin to hop his way to the finish line, even after all his other participants had already gone past him. Men and women in the stadium would switch their focus from witnessing the winner and now focus on Redmond as they would see at the determination of a man who would not give up. Tears were running down his eyes as he made slow progress, but he kept remembering the words of his father who said, son, we must always finish what we start. As he got closer to the finish line, his father would come and join him in the crowd and he would join him and he would grab his son and he would encourage him to finish the race. As Redmond closed, crossed the finish line, the entire stadium would erupt in emotional applause as they knew that they had witnessed something special. See, if I were to stand here today and say the name Steve Lewis, would this name even ring a bell to any of us? Well, Steve Lewis was the American runner who actually won the gold medal in this event. He ran it in 44 seconds. But you see, we do not even remember him. What we do remember is Derek Redman. Not because he won the race, but because he refused to quit. He wanted to see it through. See, church, today we must see the things that we began through. And number three, or maybe this is the third reason why Joe has stopped after striking three. Maybe his present reality was more real to him than the promise of God. So the man of God just told him that you will defeat the Syrian army. Surely when he heard this, this would have motivated him to strike the ground even ten times. 
But in his mind, maybe he was still focused on the enemies that were defeating them. Maybe he wasn't focused on the God of Elisha. You see, maybe he was double-minded in this present moment. He was still battling with the reality of what he was facing instead of focusing on, on the faith of what God had spoken to him. So today I want to ask you, where is your focus in this season? If your focus is on the enemy, the enemy will grow. He will grow, he will grow, and he will make you grow weary. But if your focus is on God and his promises, you shall overcome. And finally, the last point I want to say as I get ready to close. Maybe the reason why he stopped was because maybe he had lost the faith. See, maybe after the third strike, he asked himself, what am I even doing? Is this even working? You see, Joash had to do something without seeing the results ahead of time. Have you ever had to do something that you didn't see the results before time? You see, when you have to do something by faith, so he had to do it simply by the eyes of faith. Sometimes we are doing things in our life out of obedience to God that sometimes it doesn't look like we are actually making any progress. But I'm here to remind us that the Bible tells us that if we do not grow weary in well-doing, we shall reap if we do not faint. See, sometimes we give up in the process. We give up in the process of striking the ground like Joe has because we get weary on waiting on God. God is saying in this season, wait on me. Wait on me. Don't give up. You see, sometimes when, it, when, when we don't see immediate progress, we become weary. And there is a law that is known as the law of wasted efforts. This can easily be understood in the life of a lion. You see, uh, the, the law states that you cannot halt or quit at something simply because it does not come after, success does not come after a few attempts in which you fail, but rather in continuous application till you succeed. You see, do you know that a lion only succeeds in a quarter of its hunting attempts, a quarter, meaning that 75% of its attempts end in failure. Yet despite the low success rate, it doesn't despair in its pursuit. This is because it understands the law of wasted efforts. I pray that in this season we would understand the law of wasted efforts, that just because we have failed in so many things so many times, it doesn't mean that our life will end in failure. We must not quit. See, the Bible tells us that Elisha was angry with the king. He was angry not because he didn't listen to him, but because he saw a young man who was willing to settle for less than what God had promised. He was angry because Joe had stopped striking the ground. Elisha could see what God wanted to do for Joash, but his lack of commitment to the instruction by the man of God would mean he wouldn't see the fullness of what God had prepared for him. See, Elisha wanted Joash to strike the ground so long and so hard till the blisters on his hands turned into blessing in his hands. He didn't want him to quit. He didn't want him to quit so soon. See, what have you quit at in this season? What is it that you have stopped striking? God is saying today, strike again. I know the vision may be overwhelming you and it feels unattainable, but I'm here to say to you, strike again. I know you are crying yourself to sleep every night with the pain because the pain is just so much of what you are going through, but I'm here to tell you, strike again. 
I know the deal to purchase your property fell through and you feel so dejected. But sir, ma'am, I'm here to say to you, strike again. I know you feel like you, you, you never, you'll never find that suitable partner that, that you've been believing for. And you've come to a place where you say, you know what? All the bad experiences I've gone through are enough now. I don't want this. But I'm here to say to you, my brother and my sister, strike again. I know you lost your job. I know you lost your job that you had for so many years in this pandemic. And you feel hopeless and you feel lost. But I'm here to declare to you, strike again. I know the devil has whispered in your ear that you will amount to nothing. Just like your father amounted to nothing. But I'm here to declare to you, strike again. I know you may be watching me today. Maybe you're watching me from your bed. Maybe you are not oxygen tank. Right now, maybe you're battling for your life. And you just feel like giving up. Sir, ma'am, I'm here to say to you, strike again. I know you may be trying to get pregnant. You've been trying for so many years and it looks like a lost cause but i'm here to say to you young couple strike again i know you may be struggling with depression maybe depression has clouded your family and it just feels like there is so much despair in your home you've lost a loved one to COVID, but i'm here to say to you sir ma'am strike again strike again i know your marriage I really sense as I was preparing, marriages were being fought in this season. I know your marriage may not be in a good place. And you feel like, you know what? Divorce is the only way. We have to part ways. But sir, ma'am, I'm here to say, strike again. Strike again. Please, my brother. Please, my sister. Strike again. Believe again. Have faith again. I know it's hard. But refuse to quit. And so as we close today, Paul I love the life of Paul. Paul knew what it was like to be flogged. He knew what it was like to be shipwrecked. He knew what it was like to be bitten by a venomous snake and yet survive. He knew what it was like to have a thorn in his flesh and plead for God to remove it. And yet God would say to him, my grace is sufficient for you. You see, we refer to the books of the Bible that Apostle Paul wrote, Philippians, Ephesians, Colossians, Philemon, and these are such, such powerful books. But sometimes these books are referred to as the prison epistles. The reason why is because Paul would write these eloquent and passionate books while he was in a dark cell. And yet we come to the twilight of Paul's life as he's on his deathbed. And again, we see the same picture that we saw with, with Elijah, Elisha, with the king. We see the same picture as, as, as we see here. We see with Paul and Timothy, the young man is being instructed by the older man. And he says this, for I am being poured out as a drink offering. The time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Paul says, after all that I went through, after all the challenges I had to overcome, ultimately, I can say, I have kept the faith. I didn't quit. I didn't stop believing. I kept pursuing God, even when it got difficult. The story in 2 Kings ends by saying, Elisha died and he was buried. And it says that there was a raiding band that had come. And it says there was a man who had died uh, and, and it says, as they were fleeing, they threw this man's body into the grave of Elisha. And it says, this man rose on his feet and he came alive again, simply because he came into contact 
with the bones of Elisha. See, even in his death, Elisha was still doing miracles. Even in his death, there was still enough anointing and enough faith in Elisha to raise a man from his death. See, church, I'm here to say to us today that you and I are among the living. We're not dead, we're alive. And therefore, the Bible says there is hope for those who are among the living. So today, I want to encourage you, don't give up. Don't give up. Overcome that urge to quit. Strike again. Believe again. Trust God again. So let me pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for every person who is listening to me today, who is at a place where they feel like giving up. The urge to quit is so real. They're overwhelmed. Maybe they're tired. Maybe they've lost their faith. Maybe they just say, this is too much for me to carry. God, you said you would never place upon us a burden that we do not have the strength enough to carry. Father, even in this season, just as you did show us through Elisha as you laid his hands upon the king's head, God, may you put your hand upon us in this season. We know that God, as long as you are with us, we can overcome it all. We can scale a mountain. We can, we can, we can go through the valleys. We can go through the deep waters as long as your hand is upon us. Now, Father, for that one who is in their sick bed, who is battling for their lives, Father, I pray that you would pull them out from that place. Let hope rise up again from inside of them. Let them believe that God, you are still the God who is able. You are the God of Elisha, the God who does great things. So we thank you and we give you glory today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You know, today as we close, maybe there's somebody who's watching me and he says, you know what? As you're speaking, I, I just happened to stumble upon this, this stream and I, you know what? I... I I didn't even know what I was watching, but I've never given my life to Christ. I don't even know who, 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 who this Christ that you're talking about is, and I want to have a relationship with him. If that's you and you say, I want to, I want to know God. I want to begin a relationship. Now, if you look on the screen, there are numbers that are appearing on the screen. These are numbers for our call center. You can call somebody today, and they can pray and agree with you. They can help you. They can begin to give you instructions on the next steps that you can take beginning today as you make a decision to give your life to Christ. And maybe the second group, maybe it's you who's saying, I've given up. Today I'm here to say, don't give up. Don't give up. Victory is on the other side. Strike again. Believe again. In Jesus' name. God bless you. Thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that you were blessed and that God will continue to transform your life in this season. If you have a testimony or need prayer and counseling, please send a WhatsApp or a call me to plus 263-784-303900 or plus 263-717-459999. We want to hear from you and we're here for you and are ready to listen to you, to pray for you and to celebrate with you. So thank you. We love you and stay safe.